You know what the big, big, big problem is? Is people just talk about the problems. They don't talk about solutions. And so I am here to talk about the solutions to all of your problems. (laughs) Okay, maybe not all of them. But I want to talk about what might be causing you the greatest frustration, the greatest pain right now in your life, which is your relationship problem. And there is one key to success. If there was one thing I would say, you need to do this beyond everything else. If you want to be happy, if you want to be successful, if you want to feel good about your life, work on your relationships. First and foremost, your relationship with God and then your relationship with all others. Especially, I want to say, if you've been so bold and courageous to say, I do, I am married. That's where you really want to focus on the solutions and not just talking about the problems. Now, I would say this, I've said it many times, you've probably heard me, if you've heard me in previous podcasts, as a therapist, one of the things that I find to be greatly rewarding is to work with couples. One of the things I find greatly difficult is to work with couples. (laughs) It's a dynamic relationship, but I believe so much, almost more than any other kind of work, that if I can help you with your relationships, you will have a better life. So I want to talk about some of the biggest problems that are found to cause divorce and problems. So research finds among all the problems, (laughs) and I think this is kind of interesting, and I'm going to talk about the solutions, not just the problems, but is fading enthusiasm to be a big top concern in long-term romances, particularly marriage, right? And what is this idea of being enthusiastic? For all the joy that romantic relationships bring, it is needless to say, they're hard work. And sometimes it's difficult to stay enthusiastic. Yeah, I really want to do this work. Man, it's hard, but I really love it. Usually what you say instead is like, man, this is really hard. I just want a break. Yeah, but this is your relationship. You can't just take a break from it. But apparently, many of you do. (laughs) it's estimated that one in two marriages ends up in divorce in the United States. You know, some people say uh, there's other data that supports other ideas, but it's a lot. It's difficult to stay connected. So what is it that makes sustaining a romantic relationship so difficult? Well, the experts looked at it and they said, yeah, enthusiasm. It's hard to stay enthusiastic. So how do you actually do that? How do you sustain the energy and the enthusiasm to maintain a healthy long-term relationships? Well, I think the first thing to do is to recognize that, yeah, it actually is going to be difficult. You know, they might be tiring and you might get bored, but you've got to recognize that and say, okay, I've got to fight against this impulse and say, oh, I'm bored. Maybe this relationship isn't for me. No, that's just an emotion. And your emotions can go up, they can go down based on the time of day, whether you're hungry or well-fed, whatever it is, your emotions aren't necessarily going to lead you to truth. And sometimes you might be saying, I'm bored. Oh, wow, but that woman, she's really exciting. Or that guy, what a great life he lives. I want to be with him. But every single relationship are going to feel that passion and that romantic intensity fade at some point. And if your relationship is based on that romantic intensity, if you have that expectation, yes, it's always going to feel like this, then you are setting yourself up for failure. In fact, relationships based on that, that kind of intensity, 
are kind of doomed to failure because the brain, the body can't maintain that kind of enthusiasm year after year, month after month. At some point, you actually have to get good at navigating what might seem the mundane. Now, that doesn't mean that you go, oh, yeah, I'm really bored with you. That's okay. I'll stay married. <laughs> there are ways to actually strengthen that sense of love, that deeper sense of connect connection. But I want to remind you that this is actually consistent with Scripture. Paul talks about this enthusiasm. Jesus talks about this enthusiasm and what happens when it wanes in your faith life. So I want to address this. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm just going to paraphrase it, but he said, Servants, respectfully obey your earthly masters. Now, he's talking about those who are slaves. Pretty hard to be enthusiastic about your job if you're a slave. Wow, I just love this. I get to serve all day. Wow. And maybe that's what you feel like in your relationship. Oh, wow, I get to serve all day. Mothers in particular, young mothers taking care of kids and doing all the hard work of maintaining a family. Dads pitch in there, right? Because it's a tough job. But it's hard to stay enthusiastic. So what is the gospel's response to that? What does Paul say, first of all? Well, here's what God wants you to do. If you're waning in your enthusiasm, in your relationships, in your motherhood, in your fatherhood, work with a smile on your face. How do you do that? You remember you keep in mind that no matter who is given the orders, and Paul is talking about the servants, but I want you to think about this in your married relationships or your other relationships, your motherhood or your fatherhood. Remember, no matter what it is that you're doing, you are really serving God. And I think that's the first and most important thing to remember, that in this relationship, you might think, oh, my job is to make my spouse happy, Your job, first and foremost, believe it or not, is to make God happy. And how do you make God happy? Again, it sounds funny using a a simple human emotion. It's like, oh, God's very happy that you're doing this. It's, It's bigger than that, but for our discussion's sake, you remember that you are serving God by serving this other person. Now, Jesus speaks about it, again, from a faith perspective, from an enthusiasm perspective, and, and the parable of the seeds, right? Farmer goes out, he casts the seeds. The seeds are the word of God. You're that good soil. And then sometimes that seed takes root and it really grows up and it blossoms. That's the good soil. That's the life that God wants you to lead. But the seed cast in the gravel. This is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm. But there is no soil of character. So when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. See, that's your faith life that Jesus is talking about. That, yeah, you got to get beyond those wild initial, oh, I just love the Lord. Isn't this great? But it's all based on feelings. But God wants you to have that greater love, not based on feelings, but that real commitment to truth that allows you to drive on in the face of adversity, in the face of lacking enthusiasm. A second thing, and I'm going to try to get to 12 things, and I'll probably break this podcast into two because you're going to say, Joe, I can't keep track of all 12 things. Neither can I. So welcome to the club. <laughs> now, they actually did some studies about people who have to work. And if you live in the big city, you've got to commute to work. 
So some have speculated that divorce rates can be predicted, believe it or not, by the length of a spouse's commute. So partners who spend many hours working or put their careers ahead of their relationships are not surprisingly less likely to sustain a romantic relationship. So it's not a predictor that, oh, I've got an hour and a half commute versus a 10-minute commute. I'm far more likely to get divorced. What it does mean, though, is you're spending all of this time, all of this energy away, and that's actual less time and energy that you're spending on your relationship. So you've got to find ways of connecting throughout the day, no matter what it is that you're doing. It could be a short little text. Hey, I just want you to know I love you. I'm thinking about you. Or maybe it's a call while you're commuting, whatever it is. Because people say, yeah, it it comes and it goes really quickly. Now, again, remember this. One of the reasons why you work really hard is why? To put food on the table. Of course, that makes a lot of sense. You've got to pay the bills. You've got to work. Work is a godly principle. But sometimes you get so caught up, you allow your fear to drive what you're doing. I've got to work harder. I've got to do more. I've got to earn while the earnings good, <laughs> whatever that expression is, while the sun shines. But God wants you to remember that really he is in charge of all of your provision. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, if God gives such attention to the appearance of the wildflowers, most of which I've never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? take pride in you, do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here, Jesus says, is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God in the way he works fuss about all those things. You might be driven to work harder, to make all those sacrifices to work when God is saying, really, all I want you to do is to trust in me. It doesn't mean that you don't work, but you've got to recognize that when you steep your life in God reality, in God initiative, in God provisions, then you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress out. You can say, well, the first and greatest gift that God gave me is this relationship right here. Let me invest in that. Now, sometimes, conversely, people complain, and I understand it. It's like, I just don't have any personal time or space. I feel suffocated, people say. I don't have me time. That's a common reason that people present and say, it's hard for me to maintain this romantic relationship. Because maybe you feel constrained or oppressed by the relationship or feel that your partner is constantly nagging you. And, well, the research says you might have difficulty (laughs) maintaining the relationship. And here's what I would say is no matter how good your relationship is with your spouse, you do need time away. Jesus actually showed us this. Here he is, God himself, all-knowing, all-loving. He got away. He said, I need to get away. I need to separate. I need to pray. I need to connect with my heavenly father. He got away from the people. And you too have to do the same thing. Whether it's time alone to pray or time to go take a run on your favorite mountain. <laughs> what, what, oh, okay, that's just me. <laughs> or, or just to relax. 
you need that time to connect with God, your Father, who wants you to connect with Him. If you don't feel like you have that time, then I would say this is a discussion that you have to have with your spouse. It's like, hey, I love you. I I really want to be with you, but I feel like I'm falling apart and I need a little time to put myself back together again. Now, another issue that people talk about are character issues. If you see your spouse as selfish, or maybe you look at your own life and say, yeah, I just want what's good for me. (laughs) It's going to be very difficult to sustain a long-term relationship. You know, again, sometimes that that sense of that insecurity, it's like, oh, I, I need you, I need you to do this, or you're always talking about the problems. I, I cite this frequently when I'm working with couples. I say, well, tell me what's going well. <laughs> and they, it's, it's almost like they don't hear that. It's like, well, I'll tell you what she did. It's like, rah, 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 this is the problem. Oh, well, he did that. And it's like, wait, whoa, that's not what I asked you. I didn't ask you what the problem was. What's the solution? Or sometimes I ask to really throw them off their game. (laughs) What are you doing right? Think about that. Rather than complaining about your relationship, what is going wrong? Ask yourself, have this conversation with your spouse. Hey, when we are doing well, and I know it seems right now that a lot of things are going badly. So maybe you have to go back. Maybe you have to do a little historical search. When we were doing well back in 1957, (laughs) what were we doing? And you would probably find that you were engaged. You were curious about the other person. You wanted to sacrifice. You wanted to do the little things to show that you care. And so often, people just want to talk about the problems And you're not going to find the solution to your problems by talking about the problems. You're going to find the solution to your problems by talking about the solutions. When we are doing well, what are we doing? When I feel really good about this relationship, what am I doing? Complaining is so destructive, I can't tell you. Say, oh man, my wife nags and nags and nags me. Oh, my husband just won't leave me alone. (laughs) Whatever it is. Well, God has something to say about this. And it's throughout, particularly, I'd say, the Old Testament, whether you're talking about Numbers or Exodus. The people of God were grumbling all the time about their hard life. God led them out of slavery, right? He goes, I want to set my people free. But you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to take this long journey on foot, cross through the desert. But you're going to be set free. And even though they were on this tremendous journey towards freedom, towards the promised land, they complained a lot. They complained to Moses, and Moses said, hey, you're not complaining to me. You're complaining to God, and God hears you. And one time in Numbers 11, it says, Scripture says, God blew up, his anger flared. Then fire blazed up and burned the outer boundaries of the camp, and the people cried out for help to Moses, and Moses prayed to God, and the fire calmed down. Maybe your complaints reflect a lack of faith. Rather than complaining to your spouse, maybe you've got to look at your own life and saying, maybe I'm not spending enough time in gratitude. Maybe I'm not looking at what is right and what is good in my spouse. 
If you're complaining, I can guarantee you that all you're doing is looking at what is wrong. And that leads you to the next complaint, (laughs) the next problem, if you will, about people who are clingy in their relationships. When you become overly dependent on others to fulfill your needs, it's like, I'm unhappy, it's your fault. (laughs) You might want to look at what you're doing in your own life. Because sometimes when you're trying to exercise control, right, you get too clingy. Really what's going on is you're saying, I can't tolerate this anxiety. I I can't tolerate not knowing if you love me. I told you I love you. I'm here with you. We've been married for 27 years. Yeah, but you're going to leave. I've never left. And that might be evidence that you are anxious. And you've got to figure out how to deal with your own anxiety. There are a lot of things that might be, you look out into the world and say, I can't tolerate this. I can't do it. You actually can. With God on your side, you can do all things. As you listen to this, what are you discovering in your life that's driving you apart? Because all of these difficulties, whether it's things going wrong, whether it's sickness or money issues, you can, lose, you can use all of these things to come back together again or you can allow your relationship to grow in the distance, which will be the demise of your relationship. We're going to continue this discussion about the problems with relationships with an emphasis on the solutions. Stop talking about the problems. What can you do? to contribute to the success of your relationship? What can you do to make your life healthier, holier? Maybe it's time to cooperate with God's grace. We will have part two. Shortly, you'll be able to tune in and listen to it. Until then, I will meet you back on the road. And remember, always forward.